Good evening. Welcome to Left, Right and Center. I'm Vishnu Shom. On the program tonight, the Prime Minister, after a review meeting on COVID amidst the enormous surge in China, did not make masks mandatory but has emphasized their usage. He also emphasized the need for strengthened surveillance and a focus on genome sequencing and increased testing for COVID. There has been concern after at least four cases of virus uh, of the virus which is playing havoc in China has been detected in India. The government has said there is no cause for panic. Sources indicate that patients with these strains had recovered at home. But the Prime Minister has cautioned against complacency, saying that states should ensure operational readiness of hospital infrastructure. And let's never forget what we saw a year ago. Oxygen running out, the need for more oxygen cylinders, oxygen generating plants. They are there now. They need to all be working. Ventilators, human resources. Perhaps we'll never need them this time around because of the vaccines that we already have, plus natural immunity, which has developed because millions of Indians have had COVID one way or the other. But there is a cause for concern. COVID has not gone away and chances are it's not going to for a period, for a while now, uh, which is why we need to be alert. Why are we worried now about COVID? Well, this on a day in which a report from Bloomberg says, and I think I should quote, China is likely to experience 1 million COVID infections and 5,000 virus deaths every day as it grapples with what is expected to be the biggest outbreak the world has ever seen. That according to new analysis. So that's the situation. Uh, Joining us on this program, Dr. Isaac Bogoch. He is the infectious diseases physician and scientist at the University of Toronto. Thanks, uh, Dr. Bogoch, for being with us. We're joined by T.S. Deo, the health minister uh, of Chhattisgarh. Uh, we are also joined by Dr. Shantanu Sen of the Trinamool Congress, Dr. S.K. Sareen, uh, and we'll be joined by other panelists uh, as well in a, in a few moments uh, from now. But let me go straight across uh, to Dr. Isaac Bogoch. Sir, thanks very much for, for being with us. In your mind, what exactly is it about this strain of COVID which makes it um, immune or potentially immune uh, or gives it the ability to evade the vaccines that we've been using? You know, in all fairness, I I think I share less of a concern about that particular issue and more of a concern that when we're dealing with a a population like China, obviously we don't want to see anyone succumb to this illness or we don't want to see anyone get ill from COVID, regardless of where they are on on the planet. But we know that China has... Uh, relative to other places in the planet, very few people who have been infected and have recovered from infection. If we look at where we're at right now, sadly, that's changing dramatically and will change dramatically over the next few weeks and months ahead. Uh, in addition to that, they also have relatively, based on the data that emerged from China, relatively poor uptake of uh, vaccinations, especially booster vaccinations, and especially in populations that are more vulnerable for severe infection. So when you combine the lack of protection from vaccination, plus the lack of protection. And again, I'm not saying we want people to be infected. We obviously don't. We just can't ignore that, as you pointed out earlier, you do get some protection from recovery from infection. And between a lack of protection from the vaccinations plus recovery from infection, they're at risk for a significant COVID wave, which is what they're seeing right now. I'd remind people one other point, that the vaccines that we've seen, uh, the vaccines to date, have continued to stand up and continue to provide tremendous protection against more severe manifestations of the virus, such as hospitalization and death. And that transcends all variants, alpha, delta, Omicron, the various sublineages of Omicron. The vaccines continue to do that. Yes, of course, we've lost some of that protection against infection and onward transmission, but they still do a remarkable job in protecting against severe infections. That's why it's so important to get those vaccines out. Dr. Bogoch, um, is there a real chance or a real belief increasingly that air travel out of China needs to be curtailed completely? No, I think that's completely the wrong thing to do. We've seen time and time again how that policy does not fail or does not uh, successfully curb transmission globally. And if you look at most places, not every single place, but the vast majority of places around the world that had travel restrictions in the absence of other measures, the virus and the variants of concern make their way in one way or another. We saw various travel restrictions placed on Southern Africa, Botswana and South Africa, for example, when the uh, Omicron variant was discovered uh, about a year ago now, 
And that did absolutely nothing to curb the spread of Omicron globally. Uh, those travel restrictions are punitive. And in fact, they probably do more harm than good. I mean, think about uh, if you're in a country that you're discovering new variants, you're not going to share your genetic sequencing or your information that's vital for the rest of the world if the outcome of that sharing of information is going to be punitive uh, travel measures. Dr. Bogoch, one final question over here. You know, all over the world, there's been this huge debate over the last couple of years on um, herd immunity versus trying to ensure that um, every last citizen, every last individual is protected. And there have been many critics of herd immunity saying that's not the way to go. Uh, but at the end of the day, and if you look at the situation here in India where um, we did, we had lockdowns, but only a limited number of lockdowns, uh, there is a sense now that there is a large amount of natural immunity add to that vaccines and boosters, and people are relatively well protected. Uh, is there a case, therefore, that herd immunity is what really will save millions of lives? And that's exactly what China has perhaps not followed. Well, I, could, I prefer the term community-level protection or community-level immunity. And I think it's important to start with the goal is to prevent people from getting infected. We know the virus can be devastating, especially to vulnerable individuals, particularly those on the older end of the spectrum. And we've seen time and time again what happens when the virus rips through communities. Almost every place on the planet has suffered terrible outbreaks and stretched healthcare systems. So the goal is, of course, uh, immunity through vaccination, and that is by far the safest mechanism. Having said that, I fully appreciate that the vaccine are due much less now compared to earlier in terms of stopping infection. They can reduce the risk, just not nearly as much, but they do protect against more serious manifestations of the virus. Mm -hmm. We also have to acknowledge, while we don't want people to be infected, we can't ignore that the vast majority of the planet has been infected and recovered from that infection. And yes, of course, that provides a degree of protection. And in fact, when we combine vaccination plus recovery from infection, again, stating that we don't want people to be infected, we just can't ignore it. You combine those two, you have what we call hybrid immunity, which right. appears to be pretty robust protection against more severe manifestations of the virus. All right, Dr. Bogoc, wonderful speaking to you. Thanks very much for sharing uh, that perspective. Uh, well, we're going to go across to a couple of important ministers. Uh, uh, we'll be joined in a moment by, uh, by Raghav Chadha. Uh, but before that, let me go across uh, to T.S. Deo, the health minister of Chhattisgarh. Mr. Deo, um, is it going to be the recommendation of your government to get people to mask up once again. Good evening, Vishnu. Good evening to all the panelists and uh, all uh, viewers. We would uh, wait for the protocol to come in. There mustn't be confusion, uh, confusion amongst the people regarding these uh, directives from government. Uh, there should be one protocol followed nationwide. So once the government of India issues the protocol, We'll follow that. We issue something today, they come out with something else tomorrow, and then we issue a third clarification. Those confusions must not be there. That said, sir, uh, what the Prime Minister has suggested, everybody has been suggesting, the Health Ministry, that social distancing now needs to be encouraged. Um, so on your part, uh, what is it that you'd like to tell people in, in Chhattisgarh, or what, what is it that you'd like to enforce, I don't know if that's the right word, but encourage social distancing, what more can you do? We need to be uh, careful, Vishnu. We need to be careful about uh, the virus spreading uh, for the fifth time. Uh, it would be the fifth wave. And we need to have awareness regarding uh, testing. People are shying away from testing and our testing levels are uh, very low and they do not give the real picture of the presence of the virus. Corona is amongst us and it, it will be amongst us for a long, long time. So our figures, if they show zero, zero positive, uh, positive cases on a day, it doesn't mean anything. Sure. It just means we did not detect uh, anybody that particular day. So stepping day. up detection, so, that's something that you encourage. Uh, if you have any symptoms, yes, detection, vaccination, and uh, uh, careful in open spaces or closed spaces where there is a crowd, we certainly have to be very careful about that all over again. Will and you we personally, time. sir, be starting we, to wear uh, a mask saw, as a political leader, uh, you know, going to various places, crowds, that's part of your job. Uh, would you, would you start January. masking up? Certainly. I stopped it after my birthday on the 31st of uh, October. But as things have changed, 1st of January onwards, I'm going to be in the routine again. 
Okay, that's an important statement. Uh, so be with us. I want to go across uh, to Raghav Chadda, who joins us uh, on this program, uh, the senior Delhi minister. Uh, Raghav, um, you know, I mean, you speak now for two states, uh, Punjab as well. So the mask mandate, it's not been prescribed by the center as yet. Uh, but um, does that mean that, uh, you know, you'll wait for a central notification or are we headed towards that? Look, the state of Punjab has issued uh, COVID-appropriate behavior guidelines earlier in the day. Both our chief ministers, the Delhi chief minister and Punjab chief minister, have convened meeting vis-a-vis the kind of capacity that we have in terms of number of beds, the oxygen supply, the storage capacity, the oxygen cylinders, cryogenic tankers, and they have essentially gone through uh, the preparedness that the state uh, has been able to sort of, uh, you know, uh, come up with over the last uh, few uh, months and years. However, I do feel that, uh, you know, a strict advisory from the union government must come. I think we must learn from the lessons of, uh, you know, the the early on setback that we witnessed in the first and the second wave. And I have just four suggestions to make to the union government. And this is something that I tried raising in the parliament also earlier today. One is, to my mind, the air connectivity must be monitored and reviewed and the government may, if required, consider banning flights that come via China or uh, connecting flights uh, uh, and flight operations of China. Number two, uh, there must be a mandatory institutional quarantine. I think prevention is better than cure and we must try and prevent it to the extent possible. Number three, mandatory quarantine of international travelers. Well, uh, of, of, of all, of travelers coming from affected regions or countries that, which are witnessing a surge in these cases, I'm given to understand that it's not just China. Mm-hmm. A few other Asian countries are also experiencing yes. this new variant. Uh, in particular, Japan is witnessing, yes. uh, you know, a new, a new variant. Uh, so therefore, institutional quarantine must be uh, certainly reviewed by the government and if required, certainly enforced. Number three, I think they must summon a meeting of all virologists and epidemiologists immediately and let them fearlessly uh, put forward their view without any, you know, without any downplaying of this. And th- fourth, fourth point, and very importantly, I think all of us are worried with the news reports and videos that we are seeing that are originating from China. There was a UK report that was just put out by your channel a few minutes ago, which essentially says that, you know, China may even reach 5 million New cases every day in the five thousand deaths a day is what Bloomberg is saying. Yeah, and presently, presently, five thousand deaths a day. Five thousand already. Yes, and the number is likely to go up. That's what your report also says. So therefore, I think it's important that my point number four is that it's important that the government of India uh, addresses a worried nation. I think all of us are worried. The government of India must certainly address the health minister today. Uh, certainly gave a statement um, in the House, in both Houses of Parliament. That statement was a good beginning. However, I think we need more details and just, uh, you know, rather than just an assurance that all is well. Uh, and we must certainly not downplay, uh, you know, on the... No, but Raghav, are you going uh, to therefore start, you know, in your own capacity, a Delhi government, Punjab government, start telling people to c- control crowds ahead of New Year's? No more new, no, no big think, New Year's gatherings? What about markets? I think today, what about schools? Today both, gov- today, both governments have put out, um, you know, a, a statement, including the chief minister of Delhi, even addressing the media as to what is the level of preparedness that we have as on this day, which was very reassuring. And sure. hard facts and figures were given as to how many cryogenic tankers do we have? How many beds do we have? What is our testing capacity? Whether genome sequencing is happening or not? So, actual minute details were given to the people of Delhi and Punjab respectively. So that is, of course, very reassuring. But why, However, why are you required... rather staying away from, from suggesting, uh, and I'm not saying that's necessarily the answer, but I'm just trying to ask you, why are you staying away from telling people don't gather in large numbers over the new, over the new years? Is it, no, no, you believe I'm, we've not gotten to that no, no. So both both governments are respectively reviewing this. And the moment that is required, the, the same will be okay. announced without any hesitation. I think me and my party and our governments firmly believe that downplaying the early signs of a new variant can be disastrous. Right. And we've seen that all of us were delayed. We delayed the government of India, delayed 
uh, you know, ban on international connectivity in the first wave, right. even in the second wave. Yeah. We downplayed the oxygen. I mean, you have the government of India essentially every morning coming before you and saying we have enough oxygen, we have enough oxygen. And, le- and yet we saw so many people dying because they couldn't get access to oxygen. So I think we must not downplay. We must ramp up our capacities. Preparedness must be top notch and Prevention is better than cure. This is something I said in Parliament also. Prevention is better than cure. Let's try and prevent to the extent possible. I was listening to, uh, you know, uh, uh, a very senior medical practitioner who you interviewed first. He said that perhaps banning international flights could have been an option. But even then, the virus finds its way. I agree. The virus may still penetrate into the country. But it is important that we defer it and ramp up our capacities and preparedness. And okay. this is a, uh, from what we are reading and whatever I've been reading from, uh, you know, writings of several ep- uh, epidemiologists that this is an uh, essentially, uh, you know, a, a virus that can even penetrate your protection layer of vaccine. This is an immune escape variant. Yeah, it escapes immunity. So, uh, with, with the highest level of transmission that one has seen in the recent past. So I think we have reasons to worry. We don't have reasons to panic yet. But reasons to worry and and be alert and be aware of what we are okay. going to witness in case we do not prepare. Let me go across to Dr. Randeep Guleria, who is now the chairperson of Medanta Hospital, somebody who's over the last couple of years worked very closely at all levels, policy and as a doctor uh, in helping people. Dr. Guleria, how worried are you about what we are seeing in China and what are the potential implications in India? So I think it's a cause of concern and we need to be vigilant. We need to have good uh, sampling done, genome sequencing done, uh, because this virus is already there in our country. So uh, I don't think it's going to be very useful if we stop flights because this virus is already there. It's been reported, but we don't know what is the extent because the number of testing is very low in our country and we're not doing enough genome sequencing. So I think that needs to be ramped up. We also need to have surveillance in hospitals. Are we seeing more cases of COVID coming into hospitals? Are we seeing more flu-like symptoms, uh, patients coming to hospital? And is there an increase in admission in this, in this group? That is another surveillance that needs to be done. What it seems right now is that this new variant is more infectious. It spreads more rapidly. It does have an immune escape mechanism. And therefore, those who had COVID in the past will get infection with this new variant. But we're not seeing this variant causing more severe pneumonia or infection, as we saw with the Delta variant. We're not seeing more deaths in our country. Therefore, I think the immunity that we have, either because of natural infection or because of the vaccination, is holding out to some extent. But that doesn't mean that we need to just uh, sit quietly. We need to have uh, preparation in terms of a plan in place and also very good surveillance so that we pick up any new variant which emerges And we're able to link that with a clinical and epidemiological profile as to how is this behaving in terms of hospitalization and deaths. We're also joined by Dr. Li Mang Yan. She's a Chinese uh, virologist looking very closely at at all of these trends. Uh, Dr. Li, thank you very much uh, for being with us, ma'am. What are you actually uh, picking up in terms of, um, you know, what we are seeing not just in China, but around the world, this particular strain On the one hand, it appears to be not very dangerous necessarily for those who've been properly vaccinated. And yet in China, we're seeing horrific uh, accounts coming in. So what is your um, analysis of BA5 and BA7? I thank you for having me. Uh, So first, I want to tell people that when we talk about BF7, Omicron variant, it is just based on the Chinese Communist Party's uh, statement. However, in China now, uh, I can tell you they suppress the pathogen testing, which means in the hospitals there is no uh, PCR test for virus sequencing. And the BF7 was claimed to be the variant even uh, almost one month ago from China. The thing is whether it has already generated more variants or whether this is really dominated by BFL7, we still don't know. What we know is the symptoms in China is more severe than the BF7 or other Omicron variant presented in other countries, including high fever, pain, pneumonia, even the white lung. And also we see the death toll is increasing all over China. And also the transmissibility is very high. 
but we also see a lot of in common with what happened in Wuhan in early 2020, which includes that government control and suppress the treatment and they suppress the uh, diagnosis and also they still hide uh, the I mean cover up the information and they want contributed it to the weak immunity because of their COVID. No, but doc, doc, Dr. Li Mangyan, let me ask you this. Doctor, you mentioned an important point. You said that um, the strain that is dominant now in China seems to be far more serious than, uh, than many people know. Um, what is that yes. statement based on? I, I know that vaccination rates in China have been lower. There have been question marks on the Not efficacy uh, of the vaccine. But scientifically, are we seeing another variant, you know, or a sub-lineage of, of BA5, which is causing this? Uh, let, me, uh, let me talk about it in this way. So first, when you talk about the vaccination rate, it's not low in China at all. I have just confirmed the data from Beijing CDC. In this July, there are at least uh, over uh, 84%. Right. So that's, a, that's a decent number. Yes. Get the vaccine. Yes. And also, this very end, what happened now, we don't know because we don't have data. Government don't allow this kind of PCR sequencing and this, they don't give you information. Imaging, even if it's just originated from the common Omicron variant, after almost one month spreading in China with hundreds of million people, what will the new variant generated? And also China gave different vaccine, inactive vaccine to people. And during this kind of outbreak, when the virus meets the uh, people in this kind of vaccine, so what will generate from this kind of escaped immunity or even antibody dependent enhancement? There are so many possibilities we have to consider. No, and absolutely, also doctor. And, and, and I, I, I take your point. I just want to go across to my other panelists because Dr. Serene, you know what, um, what Dr. Li Mangyang is saying is important, that the amount of information we are getting out of China is very limited. And therefore, if there is not proper PCR sequencing done of the dominant variant or some of the sub-lineages which may be causing the most damage, then we could be in a terrible situation because what we are doing in terms of genomic sequencing is on the basis of what we know. But there seems to be information in China which is, according to Dr. Uh, Li Mangyan, not being shared adequately. Is that a cause of concern? Yeah, thank you, Vishnu. Uh, this is a cause of concern in Delhi. Like we are an INSA-COG, ILBS does all the genome sequencing and a capacity of almost doing 380 samples every fourth or fifth day. We haven't found the, the variants which the Chinese probably would have found. The only one which is uh, reported is XBB, which is... Uh, you know, another of the uh, BA2 uh, variant. But these will keep on coming. And unless we speed up and unless we are vigilant that the people who are coming or traveling can bring new variants, we should be very careful. I want to add one or two points for the people at large. We have now home testing kits. So people are worried to go and get tested. I would suggest everyone who has got cough, cold or any symptoms can even get a home testing done. But if it is positive... Please report so that we can sequence and we can find out what is the variant. Second, people are generally used to testing after third or fourth day of fever. But the Omicron variant is generally picked up in first or second day. So don't wait too long. Get your test done so that third, you have influenza or flu coming in. And people may have just influenza, but don't ignore and say it's influenza. So don't get tested. And fourthly, influenza and COVID can come together. And especially for elderly, this could be very fatal. So this is the part of the testing. As far as variants are concerned, they are bound to come. A national program is already there. And I think we should rapidly, we are doing just 2 to 5%. Uh, we should be doing 10% of all the samples which come positive to find and detect early and then do contact tracing and find out from where it has come. Right. Dr. Guleria, uh, just just uh, the most basic question which people would be asking, what do I need to look out for? How do I not know or how do I know that this is COVID and not strep throat or, you know, it's polluted in, in North India, et cetera, et cetera. What, what should we be looking out for? So the symptoms that we see for influenza or for COVID or for the common cold are very, very similar. You have fever, sore throat, cough, body aches, 
and the fever is, is usually high grade and it persists for about four to five days, sometime a week. So that's why we have been insisting that if you have any of these symptoms, don't hesitate and get your test done and don't focus only on the rapid antigen test. Get the RT-PCR test done because if that is positive, then the sample can also be analyzed for genome sequencing and we would know what is the variant that is circulating in our country. Currently, what is happening is many people are not getting themselves tested. Even if they feel they have COVID, they will take the local treatment or home-based treatment and will become all right, but we don't know what is the circulating strain. And some people who are have think they have COVID get the rapid antigen test done, don't report it or don't get the RT-PCR test done. And again, you don't know what are the number of cases that you're seeing in our country. So I think we are not really having an idea of what are the number of cases that we're seeing as far as COVID is concerned in our country. The good point is that the surveillance that is there from hospitals does not suggest an increased admissions in the hospital because of severe COVID or deaths because of COVID. But we need to be very vigilant because as has been said, the virus will continue to mutate. And if it mutates and becomes something like the previous variants, then it's a cause of concern. Right. Um, let me just uh, go across to uh, Dr. Sen, uh, who actually who joins us as well. Dr. Shantanu Sen is a Rajya Sabha MP, National Spokesperson of the Trinamool. Dr. Sen, lots of viewers in Kolkata, other parts of Bengal, uh, you know, would be tuning in and watching this broadcast. Uh, what is the state government in Bengal going to do? I, I know everybody is alert, but are you going to likely move to encouraging people to mask up? Well, good evening, everybody. First of all, we must appreciate that COVID is a multi-peak system disease. Like it's the type of spreading, the type of the infection, like the type of treatment modalities, type of the handling procedure must not be seen with each and every state. So first of all, we have to take lessons from our failures of the, of the past. What has happened in the last time? Secondly, I do believe without being scared, we have enough time to get prepared. Like, first of all, public awareness is a must. Last time we have seen when there was a need of vaccination because of lack of awareness among the people of the country. Yep. Yeah. Initially, people were refusing to get vaccinated. Later on, when they really felt that the vaccine is the, was the only need of the hour, then there was an acute shortage of vaccine in our country. There was many faulty procedures in handling COVID in last time. I am not going to take in details. But I think we have got enough doing. All right, uh, Dr. Sen, that line is getting uh, bad. But I think that's an important point. Dr. Guleria, um, what about the booster doses? Right now, a lot of people have had even, um, uh, you know, I mean, are, are, are due now for bo boosters or perhaps even a second booster. That's not spread out as much as our primary vaccination, which is over, essentially, unless people require it still. Uh, what is your message as far as boosters are concerned? So I would say that those individuals who have not taken the booster dose and are due for their booster should do that. Our booster dose uptake is very, very low. And we need to enhance that. There is data which suggests that the booster dose does protect you as far as severe infection is concerned, uh, even against the new variants, the Omicron uh, sublineages. And therefore, it's important for us to really take the booster dose uh, if it is due. The second part of the question is, do we need to take an additional booster dose? Yes. Uh, 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 that is something that I think we need more data on. And the data that we need is how much protection will that give? Currently, whatever data we have does suggest that the original booster dose does give us some protection. But do we need to have a new vaccine which covers the circulating variant? Uh, in the in in the US and in Europe, we have a bivalent vaccine now. We'll get back to Dr. Guleria in a moment. PKD Nambia, do you believe that the government needs to do more at this stage? Well, Vishnu, I think uh, one thing is very clear. All the governments, whether it is a union government, all the state governments are much more uh, prepared. At least they are gearing up and they are at least uh, uh, taking up the first step. And understand the prime minister is uh, conducting the meeting and the uh, uh, health ministry is issuing, um, I mean, it's making a statement in the parliament. This all shows that the, how... Uh, serious are we and we are much more prepared and I think we also have one thing is in that like uh, as Mr. Do uh, as Dr. Guleria and etc. was talking about the health experts we have the uh, the knowledge of handling 
one, two, three uh, series of uh, these uh, the waves which we have handled. So we have a lot of learning is in on, uh, in front of us. I think this will all help us. And this time around, I think the governments will be much more because we have that uh, the oxygen crisis in Delhi. You remember how it was, and all of those things are in our back back of our mind. I'm I hope this time around the governments will be prepared. I'm also I was also talking to a, some of the top virologists in the afternoon because I was traveling. Then they they were also saying that because we have been predominantly that uh, both as a as institutionally we are much more prepared. and also because of the covid vaccination drive which we had which may be the, the biggest in the in the world uh, so far that also might not uh, might help us in this particular time we need to be concerned we don't require to be worried that is the real message i have been able to get and i am sure that uh, the other people will also be uh, sure but this time around we have ample time as somebody else was talking about in the no government should be tomorrow coming up and saying we are not aware of things today okay. we are aware of everything how the covid can behave let's have enough oxygen let's have uh, there is no politics in uh, the corona don't understand any right. politics so i think politicians so behave so i i pkri i get that i just what because i'm running short on time and because we've done an important interview as well on the potential economic uh, impact of this i wanted to go back to dr sareen you know uh, bharat biotech has Uh, a nasal vaccine out now we don't know the efficacy uh, there are other nasal vaccines which are slowly entering the market as well um it's obviously much easier to dispense than getting an injection going forward do you believe that uh, this is something that needs to be looked at more carefully if it's uh, easy to to prescribe and easy to uh, to sort of take uh, then would it protect people more in the present situation actually you somehow read my mind it was in my mind to say about the nasal vaccine the bharat biotech has a complete inactive virus and therefore it is probably one of the best vaccine that can be produced and india has done so and those who have taken three dosages even then i would say for fourth dose a nasal vaccine is a very good you just have to put four drops into i have ten, taken it myself and the antibody so it's just like any nose up. drop right for the benefit of our it's viewers it's just like a nose drop you lie right. down and then take these nose drops and i think it should be made commercially available if the government and the regulators think it has already been approved by government of india so everyone who wants can take it without any fear and i think we should those who have not taken the second dose or third dose must take it right away because that is the place the new variants can come so nasal vaccine yes dr goleria your thoughts on the nasal vaccine and there'll be a few coming out one has already been cleared in india Yes I think the nasal vaccine is the way forward like you rightly said it's easy to give secondly it gives a lot of mucosal immunity so it gives immunity which is at the local site also and therefore also decreases viral replication and may also prevent the spread of infection uh, to others so I think if we, as we move forward we will have to look at a nasal vaccine uh, which would actually in my mind be a very big advantage as far as vaccinating a large number of people is concerned Uh, Dr. Lee Mangyan, uh, last question to you, ma'am. Uh, is that also uh, something that you believe could be useful going forward, wherever you are? Nasal vaccines are progressively being introduced uh, for those who have been boosted, uh, for those who have been inoculated, vaccinated, uh, and they ha- and have had at least another dose. Do you believe a nasal vaccine is a way forward? Uh, what I want to say is, I worked on vaccination, uh, vaccine development in the WHO reference lab for five years, and I do uh, hope the vaccines can protect people, and I encourage the development. However, when people are uh, supporting the novel vaccines, I always want to remind: first, you have to understand the pros and the cons before you take it. So, no mandate, and also. for no matter nasal or mrna or whatever technology we really need to spend more time and more experiment to understand the side effects because mm-hmm. now we are giving it to the large population again and again to over stimulate your immune system is not that good but we hope the vaccines can protect people so at the same time don't forget the drugs all right well uh, thanks very much all of you for being with us uh it's been quite a few months since we sp- started speaking since we spoke about covid unfortunately we are having to speak about it uh, once again but do spare a thought for all of the people suffering in china as we speak now hopefully it's not going to get to india or anywhere else in the world in any of the numbers that we're seeing in china but it's a huge huge international concern 
We'll take a short break up after that. Uh, the Federation of Indian Chambers of Commerce and Industry has a new president. I speak to Dr. Patnaik um, and I do ask him about the potential economic consequences of another COVID wave in India. The Federation of Indian Chambers of Commerce and Industry has a new president, Subrakant Panda, joins us now at a time when there are uh, so many questions on the Indian economy. Uh, there is a lot of optimism about where India is headed. But as always, there are some headwinds as well, which we need to be aware of. Congratulations, Mr. Panda. Uh, it is a very important uh, uh, responsibility. And I'm sure, uh, you know, going forward, you'd have lots of suggestions. But this interview comes at a time when COVID is back. It appears uh, there is a big concern in India as well. It's certainly an, a factor in, in China. It is a factor in Japan as well. Uh, can you foresee the potential economic impact if this variant of COVID becomes a problem in India? Uh, first of all, Vishnu, uh, thank you for your kind words. Um, so, you know, in as much as the news flow out of China coming in the last uh, couple of days, I would say about... Uh, uh, a rise in, in a number of cases and, uh, and deaths and, and whatnot. Um, I would not like to speculate at this point in time um, because, uh, you know, that is a country where news flow is somewhat managed and controlled. So, you know, what's, what's coming out of there? To what extent is it exaggerated? To what extent is it underreported? Uh, you know, I think in the next few days we will have more details. But uh, the government of India is absolutely spot on in being vigilant and, and immediately raising their awareness levels. Um, and from that point of view, um, you know, I would say that, uh, that, you know, there is no need to panic for the simple reason that if you look at it from the Indian population, uh, close to 100% is, is vaccinated with uh, two doses, a significant number with, uh, with a third precautionary dose. Um, and uh, from that point of view, uh, I would say that uh, we are well prepared. But, uh, you know, more for the Chinese people uh, as well as the world at large. I really hope that this is something which uh, which doesn't spiral out of control because there is, first of all, of course, the, the impact on industry in terms of disruptions to supply chains, which the world can hardly afford. But, you know, the human cost of it is what we what we need to keep in mind. And it is in this context that I would really like to commend, you know, how India has uh, has handled uh, COVID because we had lockdowns when we knew very little about what the virus was all about. Um, then we, we did the, you know, the world's largest vaccination drive and did it very smoothly and efficiently. And then we had a calibrated reopening of the economy. And, you know, I headed the, uh, the, the COVID task force of FICI at that point in time. And many of the suggestions we made, uh, including a, a, a matrix for, uh, for a graded reopening, was adopted in large parts by the government. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, as compared to that, I mean, you know, in China, uh, you have had a, a zero COVID policy continuing for a lot longer than anyone thought uh, it was necessary, uh, leading to social unrest. And now you have all of a sudden have had, uh, uh, you know, the restrictions lifted. Um, but I would, uh, I reiterate that uh, I would not like to speculate at this point in time. Let's wait and watch uh, how things pan out. Uh, there is definitely no need to panic. But uh, it's, it's important to be vigilant, which is what the government is doing, uh, especially in terms of, uh, you know, genome sequencing of positive cases so that um, if at all there is a, you know, there is a new mutation out there, then sure. we are, you know, we get a heads up uh, as early on as possible. So too early to look at potential economic outcomes uh, of, of what is happening in China with regard to India. Uh, that's right. I mean... Look, I mean, if, if um, I think Indian industry is well prepared um, uh, because cyclical sectors are, are, you know, have deleveraged their balance sheets uh, significantly. Uh, if you look at uh, from the banking perspective, banks have raised funds and are in a position to to to, uh, you know, meet uh, credit uh, requirement. I mean, certainly if there are, uh, you know, China specific sectors like pharma or, or others, if there is disruption, that will be felt. But uh, it, it's too early at this point in time to speculate what that uh, what that could be. Right. And I would, I would urge that, uh, you know, I mean, if you're eligible for a booster dose and haven't taken it, do so, uh, you know, follow, use some common sense regarding, uh, you know, uh, hand wash and, and whatever it is, but let's not panic. Now, India's GDP growth rate slowed in the last quarter, primarily driven by the manufacturing sector. In fact, the sector's gross value added uh, contracted by about 4.3% year on year. 
what do you think needs to be done to boost manufacturing? Because it's a sector that has been struggling after losses during the pandemic. Well, Vishnu, first of all, you know, the manufacturing sector is very, very important for, uh, for India. Because if you look at it at the moment, uh, you know, agri uh, accounts for about 16 to 17 percent of GDP, but uh, 45 percent of jobs. And that's clearly not a situation which is tenable. And while we have a robust uh, services sector, which will, you know, which will uh, uh, account for a lot of jobs, but manufacturing certainly has to come into play. And manufacturing itself has, has also been stuck in the 15 to 17 percent range for, uh, for a long time. And that is where I believe this government has a, has a laser sharp focus on, on attracting uh, investments and, and global supply chains to India and, and uh, looking to take manufacturing up to 25% of GDP, which is very important. So, you know, issues like, I mean, or I should say policies like the, the PLI schemes and uh, equally reforms mm-hmm. or, uh, measures uh, uh, to, to uh, uh, enhance the, the ease of doing business and reduce the cost of doing business have uh, all had an impact. Sure. But we also have to keep in mind that while India is the rare bright spot Going ahead, global growth is slowing down. The IMF has has forecast uh, nearly halving of global growth from uh, 6% in, in 2022 to 3.2% in, in 2023 and, and below 3% at 2.7% in 2024. Mm-hmm. So we have to be prepared for some short-term turbulence uh, without losing sight of the fact that over the medium to long term, the India growth story is intact and it presents a tremendous opportunity that uh, we must all work towards, uh, uh, towards achieving. Mr. Panda, inflation has been above the RBI 6% threshold this entire year. Uh, do you think that rising inflation is uh, bringing down demand? Is that something that, uh, that is a cause of concern? Look, I mean, inflation is a global phenomenon. Uh, and uh, I, I go back to the, to the, to the pandemic period where both the timing and the quantum of stimulus measures uh, provided by, by India was spot on because, uh, you know, what you have seen uh, uh, elsewhere is that wherever there was an excess of, uh, of stimulus measures, uh, inflation has been elevated and stubborn to, to deal with. Now, India, too, had an inflation fight on its hand, but that was largely to do with, inflate, uh, with, uh, with imported inflation thanks to commodity prices. Uh, oil in particular, but with, with commodity prices cooling off um, uh, and, and, you know, fiscal and monetary policy working, uh, working in consonance, you have seen uh, uh, inflation cool off and finally come within the RBI's uh, tolerance band uh, uh, with the last reported uh, number being 5.88%. Mm-hmm. But as the governor has said, it's too early to declare victory. Uh, I think the worst is behind us, but, uh, you know, we have to, to, uh, to, remain, uh, to remain alert to... Uh, uh, to, uh, to, to uh, uh, you know, factors which, uh, which can uh, cause inflation to spike simply because of what's happening in the rest of the world. But having said that, I think that the time has now come to, to go back to prioritizing growth. Uh, as I said, uh, one eye on the short term for turbulence, one eye on the long term for, for uh, India's uh, humongous potential, equally one eye on, on inflation and one eye on, on supporting growth, uh, which, is, uh, which is absolutely essential. You know, if you're talking about growth, then in the present context, not just uh, around the world, but in India as well, um, there are clear economic costs uh, associated with inaction as far as dealing with the climate is concerned. In fact, this is a big focus for India in the G20 year uh, going forward. It's a huge focus at the World Economic Forum this year, next month. Um, So as you as an economist and as a leader of FIKI uh, look at growth, um, you know, beyond just the statistics, is it possible to perhaps look or give us an idea of the impact of not acting on climate change or climate-related factors? Well, I don't think there is any doubt that we have to, to you know, keep, uh, keep sustainability front and center. Uh, in fact, I mean, uh, if you look at uh, what the world needs, it's mm-hmm. actually, you know, three axes, which is one, you have to, you know, you have to prioritize growth. That's important. But you cannot do it at the cost of the environment. So sustainability is, uh, is, uh, is very uh, important uh, as well. And finally, you have to look at being uh, you know, competitive to, to survive uh, uh, comp- uh, you know, uh, uh, in this world. And therefore, I mean, all three, growth, which has to be sustainable and competitive, uh, uh, is all relevant. Now, you know, India has been... Uh, uh, you know, has been uh, um, uh, ahead of the pack in terms of the commitments that we have made uh, 
at COP26, and we are, I think we are uh, probably the only country which has achieved what we have committed. Yes. And, uh, you know, with renewable energy uh, picking up uh, significantly, that is, uh, that, is, uh, that is first of all. Uh, but, um, I mean, going ahead, uh, you know, there is going to be a transition uh, towards uh, cleaner energy. And uh, I think Indian industry has to, to uh, both uh, adapt as, and, and, you know, adopt this wholeheartedly. Uh, and it, it, it's not just renewable energy, but you have to look at, uh, you know, specific sectors like uh, steel, uh, fertilizers, etc., which are, uh, you know, which need to then move towards newer uh, technologies like uh, green hydrogen or, uh, I mean, hydrogen sure. or green ammonia, etc. But, uh, you know, I, I, I obviously agree with you wholeheartedly that uh, growth cannot be at the cost of the environment. Uh, both, are, both are critical. Um, if you look at uh, some recent analysis, and I'm quoting a Deloitte report, India will require at least eight trillion U.S. dollars of cumulative gross capital formation to grow into what we are targeting—a five trillion dollar economy. Are we genuinely on track to be able to do that? Look, I think you know uh, there is a lot which has been done in terms of uh, of investing significantly to create renewable energy capacity. Uh, I mean, India's nationally determined contributions, uh, you know, calls for uh, a huge increase in, in uh, renewable energy uh, capacity by 2030. So uh, a lot is happening in that regard. But, um, you know, we have to also keep in mind that, uh, that uh, I mean, developing uh, developed economies rather have, um, you know, have done their own share of, uh, of, uh, of polluting, but are now looking at, uh, at uh, funding their green energy transition by taxing, uh, you know, developing economies. And that is certainly, uh, you know, not, uh, not fair. And I think both the government and, uh, and, uh, and industry have to come together and advocate. This is something that uh, the Honorable Finance Minister, uh, you know, highlighted in, in our uh, annual convention, which was held last week. Uh, and, I, and I fully agree on this front. And not to mention that, uh, you know, developed economies have also not lived up to their uh, word in terms of... Uh, uh, of the funding commitments to to uh, to developing uh, developing economies to to deal with uh, with uh, the uh, the renewable energy transition. So these are all important uh, issues, uh, you know. But as regards the 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 number that you cited, I mean, I have seen that as well. Uh, I think a lot has been done, but we we again obviously need to focus on it. And and you know, these are these are large numbers, but I believe that uh, uh, it is something that uh, that I mean, India is living up to it, its end of the bargain. Uh, I mean, others need to as well. A final question, um, you know, ease of doing business is such, a, you know, it's, it's almost a cliche. We've been hearing it for decades now, ease of doing business. But it is very much a, a central theme for this government. Again, quoting from the same De Deloitte report, um, which says that there is a need for India to improve an existing negative perception. They've done a survey which finds that more than 50% of business leaders believe that doing business in India is a challenge. So beyond the steps that have been taken, is ease of doing business in India actually essential uh, in terms of attracting the opportunities for us and for the world in our country? Look, I mean, I think uh, ease of doing business is not a cliche. It's, it's something which will facilitate uh, investment and, and, and in turn uh, growth and, and jobs. Mm -hmm. But uh, this government has focused uh, a lot on, on improving the ease of doing business uh, right through the pandemic, there was a huge focus on, on uh, you know, taking inputs from uh, chambers like ourselves, and we have we have uh, we have interacted at uh, with uh, at various levels. And there's been a lot of work done in terms of repealing, uh, you know, uh, outdated rules and regulations, and uh, and uh, you know the the national single window uh, system, which has been uh, which is uh, now in play, is, is something which is significant because it it. Uh, uh, this is something which works very well at the state level, but uh, uh, it was it was something that we felt was uh, was needed to be done at the national level. That was again a Fiki suggestion that uh, that the government has acted upon. But uh, I mean, going ahead, uh, there are other measures which can be taken, and I believe the government is cognizant of that. For example, we could look uh, uh, largely at self certification. Right. Now, this is something that happened willy nilly during the the COVID pandemic period where, uh, you know, inspections couldn't take place and companies were given the liberty to, uh, to, to self-certify, for example, boiler uh, uh, inspections. Uh, there is no reason why we cannot continue with that approach. Uh, of course, uh, keeping, you know, uh, keeping in mind that there should be a very, very heavy uh, uh, penalty for anybody who tries to game the system. Right. But uh, ease of doing business is something which I believe is a priority of this government, and they have done very well uh, in, in, in terms of enacting, uh, you know, bringing about certain changes 
what needs to happen is i think there is clarity at the at the at the highest levels but um, you know when it trickles down to the to the ground level that is where some of the difficulties that you that you cited are are faced by uh, by industries uh, and i believe that's that is something that will change with the passage of time it is changing and will you know but uh, i mean that's perhaps what uh, that report uh, was referring to let's just focus on one more sector which when we talk about india and our global story is looked at so closely it's the tech sector now india has been a, a wonderful story of successful unicorns it's been a, a, a story of so many unicorns having established themselves as equally and here is the problem we've seen a lot of these unicorns or many unicorns of late not succeed uh, in the tech sector itself which may or may not include unicorns we are looking at so many layoffs which have taken place of late now this does follow uh, a global trend we've seen what's happening in many other countries so is the india unicorn bubble uh, has that bubble disappeared number 1 and number 2 how concerned are, are you about tech sector layoffs look i mean i think uh, tech led innovation is is here to say uh, is here to stay and uh, i think uh, you know there are many many brilliant entrepreneurs out there uh, you know who have come up with ideas which are disruptive which have uh, changed how we look at uh, at day to day lives or 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 how we conduct business the you know fintech sector in particular is a humongous uh, success story with uh, upi etc but uh, i mean you know the 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 period of uh, a uh, very low interest rates and and a lot of money swishing around is what led to uh, perhaps uh, you know a little uh, uh, a lot of exuberance some of it uh, irrational and uh, mm-hmm. and when you now have a situation of rising interest rates and uh, you know somewhat of a squeeze on funding that's where you are you're seeing some of these challenges but um, you know just as the irrational exuberance was uncalled for uh, i think i don't think we should uh, you know um, Uh, start singing the the swan song as far as the tech sector is concerned as i said tech led disruption is here to stay right. and uh, there are many brilliant entrepreneurs out there and and uh, and uh, i i mean the tide will turn i wouldn't worry but um, you know when you talk about uh, about unicorns and 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 a an evaluation bubble uh, i think what is important for everyone out there to focus on is creating value my belief is create value and valuations will follow All right uh, Mr Panda uh, thank you very much for speaking to us taking a look at where we are headed in terms of the economy important days ahead uh, but i think the big takeaway for me is don't panic as far as the economy and covid and its resurgence is concerned but we do need to be alert uh, let's hope we are thanks very much for being with us thanks very much indeed thank you